0: Yes, Jesus, we worship you. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Glory, 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 glory. Welcome to the Church of Omaha. Praise God. So glad you are here today. If you would join me in your Bibles to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, I want to show you something the Lord has shown me preach and teach so treat what God has said amen Amen. so glad you're here in person so glad many of you are joining us online amen we welcome and bless you I know some are traveling and uh, thank you for listening and tuning in and hope you have safe travels and come home soon second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 1 now I Paul beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ who in presence am base among you, but being absent am bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence, wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And those last Few words of that verse are my title today when your obedience is fulfilled. Let us pray. Father, let the living word preach the written word today. Make my tongue the pen of a ready rider, Lord. Open our understanding that we might comprehend, understand, and apply the scripture. Cause every hindrance to be rebuked and cast out. Bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, and we ask it, pray it, believe it, and expect it in the name of Jesus, and would you say amen? God bless you. You can be seated. Last Sunday, as I listened to Pastor Trevor teach, and didn't he do a good job? Amen. As I listened to him teach, God spoke to me about what to preach today. And I quickly jotted a few notes down, wanted to stay in tune with what the man of God was saying, but also as quick as possible write what the Lord was telling me and I put enough notes that I knew where to go and began to pray that afternoon and then again on Monday. By the help of the Holy Spirit, I want to share with you some things that I believe will help you understand the shift that we're in and how you can be a part of it. In fact, I'm going to preach both halves today, and I believe God is going to take both of them and and combine some things together that if if you'll stay tuned, if you'll stay connected to the Spirit, you're going to experience the demonstration of the Spirit and power of God. How many of you want God to touch some things in your life? How many of you got some things you've been praying about that you want God to minister to and deal with? Amen? Praise God. So I I, want to deal with that. The first thing I want to tell you, and we're going to just dive right in here off the deep end. I'm that type of person. I don't dangle my feet at the shallow, and I'm just going to get on the diving board, and we're jumping right in into the deep end today. Here we go. The first thing is stop fighting the wrong battle. I want you to listen to verse 3 again. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Yes, if, if you cut me, I'm going to bleed. If you hurt me, I'm going I'm to feel the emotional pain because I'm, I'm in a flesh body. But this is not the end. Right? Right? We know because we have the Holy Spirit, those of us that are born again, we will live eternally with Jesus Christ. And so therefore, even though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Paul knew the battle that he faced with the antagonists in Corinth. But he knew it wasn't a physical battle. Had he worked in his own strength, had he come against them in his own wit or or power or whatever else, he would have lost the battle. He refused to get distracted by politics and instead recognized this was a spiritual battle. In another epistle, Paul would write these words. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Oh, hallelujah. Sometimes we read so fast through the Bible that we, that we don't pause long enough. He didn't fight on His own might. He didn't war in His own strength. Amen. He was strong in the Lord and in the power of God's might oh hallelujah it's kind of like the prophet said it's not by might nor by power but by my spirit saith the Lord of hosts verse 11 put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil for here it is we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. As if it wasn't good enough the first time, he's got to come back around and say, I'm going to say it again. Make sure you got the whole armor on. So let me just say this. Stop fighting the wrong battle, but when you do fight the right one, make sure you keep the whole armor of God on. What is that armor? Here it is. He says, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Somebody just say stand. stand. See, we want to do something. But God just says stand. stand. Uh-huh. Right. We want to fight, but God says stand. Mm-hmm. Kind of like what he told Israel. Stand therefore and see the salvation of the Lord. Stand. Verse 14, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. We have one weapon, and it's right here, the word of God, the two-edged sword of the word of God. I'm going to get to that in a minute. Amen. We have a weapon. But watch this. There's a colon at the end of verse 17. We think that's where the armor of God ends. We think that that's where the battle ends. That's only where it begins. Because the battle is found in the next verse. Praying always. With all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. This is why Paul in another passage would say, pray without ceasing. This is what we do. This is how we fight. This is how we win. And it's through prayer. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, Paul now says, pray for me too, that the utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that I may therein speak boldly as I ought to speak. Notice nothing in there was about warfare other than praying and speaking the word boldly. You see, not only are we fighting the wrong battle, we're fighting it the wrong way. It's not going to be one with picket signs. It's not going to be one, uh, amen, with voting for a certain candidate. It's not going to be one. Oh, come on, somebody. It's going to be one through prayer and boldly speaking the Word of God. The last time I checked, amen, a constitution can be raped and changed. But the last time I checked, this word is settled forever. The last time I checked, politicians can take advantage of the people they're supposed to represent. But the last time I checked this, amen, he is an advocate for his people. This is how we fight. Boldly through prayer and the word of the Lord. So let me ask you this question. Why do some people in the church get so worried about politics? Why do they frustrate themselves with the temporal and unstable world we live in? Have they forgotten that we are born again into an unshakable eternal kingdom? This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. This world is not the end for me. So stop fighting the wrong battle. You'll only frustrate yourself and you'll be ineffective in the kingdom of God. You are an ambassador here which by definition means you do not belong here. You're a citizen of another country, which also means we have diplomatic immunity. Wow, oh, come on, somebody. (laughs) You see, when an ambassador is appointed, they are told not to take any attacks personally, such as the burning of a flag, The throwing of fruit or vegetables, the burning of an effigy, if if the newspaper prints something, if the headlines say something, if the major media networks uh, announce something uh, against them, they are not to take it personal. Why? It's not about them. It's about who and what they represent. They represent the office of the President of the United States. They they represent the flag of the United States. They represent the country of the United States. So don't take it personal. Paul knew what he was doing when God inspired him to write that we are an ambassador. Because the Roman ambassadors that were sent to the places they had conquered were told, if you're attacked, it's not against you, it's against the Caesar. It's against Rome. And so when you would attack either physically or verbally an ambassador or even a Roman citizen for that matter, you were atta- attacking all of Rome. And so Paul knew what he was saying and Paul understood and God understood when he put it in there that we're ambassadors. And so listen, when we're attacked by in the church or out of the church, when the world says something against us, it's not about us. It's about who and what we represent. Hallelujah. Don't take it personal. We represent the unshakable kingdom of God. The attack is against Him, not us. And by the way, in case you need to be reminded, please don't ever take the armor of God off. I talk to people, I pray the armor of God every morning. I'm like, well, why do you take it off? Why do you pray it off? And, and, and I get what they're trying to say. I understand the, the point. I, I went through today and just prayed and said, God, I am clothed with your, your, your spirit and your armor and all that. But don't take it off. Right, right. Wear it always. Scripture never tells us to take it off, but twice tells us to put the whole armor of God on. <laughs> oh, and here's another thing. Whole armor. Don't live for God half-heartedly. If you're trying to live for God one foot in the world and one foot in the church, you know, you might be able to do the splits, but it ain't going to work for very long. Give God your all. It's a whole lot easier. It's a whole lot better. One preacher said it this way. It's hard to live for God easy, but it's easy to live for God hard. Does that make sense? So walk in the authority of Christ as his ambassador. And experience the demonstration of his spirit and power and fight the right battle. You know, even Michael, the archangel, the Bible says, did not fight against Satan, but instead said, the Lord rebuke thee. We should take a lesson from that. The Bible tells me to submit myself unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee. That's how simple the battle is. Let's talk about strongholds for a minute, though. Verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means of the flesh. They're not of the flesh, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Notice again, how are these weapons powerful? Through God. So our prayer, our praise, our worship, the preaching and teaching, the declaration of His Word, those are our weapons. It's through God, not us. Paul uses a word here, in the Greek for stronghold, which uh, means a fortified military fortress. Now, it's the only place in Scripture where this Greek word is used. And various translations of the Bible will expound on this. Now, of course, the King James, as you can see, it's still on the screen, says strongholds, the pulling down of strongholds. The ESV is similar. It says to destroy strongholds. Uh, the, uh, the Berean literal Bible says the demolition of strongholds. The NASB, the New American Standard Bible, implies that we're empowered for the destruction of fortresses. But here's the problem. Neither Paul nor God was referring to military strategy or literal fortified fortresses that we would go and tear down. Okay. And the idea was, if you remove the foundation of those fortresses, they crumble and fall, and the fortification that those soldiers would be using would be no longer valid, right? And Paul had seen this happen in many times where the Romans would go in and attack this fortress, attack its base, go after it, and destroy it. When I was in Israel, I was at Masada and saw the rampart that they had built. Uh, to get to a fortress of such uh, nature. And so, but he's, he's using that figuratively. So the most accurate translation based upon the wealth and the context of this entire chapter and the Bible is found in the New Living Translation. Now, look at 2 Corinthians 10, 4 from the New Living. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds, What here it is, of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments that's what Paul was talking about not that we're going after you know we're going to drive downtown and 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 find you know uh, Satan's temple somewhere and, and, and go and take a sledgehammer to the foundation of that building that's not what he was talking about he was talking about through prayer through the bold declaration of God's word, when the time comes to either speak it and, and, and I keep saying the bold declaration. You think that's only the pulpit. It's not. It's any time you're teaching a Bible study. It's any time you're sharing the word of God with anybody. So if it's in your break room, if it's in the neighborhood, whether it's one-on-one or one to 50 people that you're teaching or telling, when the bold declaration of the word goes forth, you're destroying human reasoning and destroying false arguments through the power of God. Am I making sense? I'm, I'm, I'm revving it down here. I'd love to preach this and get into you know six gear and race down the highway here, but I'm, I'm revving down a little bit to make sure you're understanding what God is saying here. Somebody point at yourself and say, I'm an ambassador. I'm an ambassador. It means you're called to declare His Word. You may not be called to preach. You may not be called to be a part of the fivefold. I get that. That's not what I'm talking about. Neither was what Paul was talking about. Because this is written to a church, not to preachers. So the reason I believe the New Living is the most accurate is because it uses this Greek word in its context and the greater context of the Bible indicating it's not a physical battle, the tearing down of literal strongholds, but rather the strongholds, watch this, of the mind, human reasoning. And indeed, they are strongholds of the mind because according to Bible Helps Word Studies, it says the word strongholds is used figuratively of a false argument, listen to this, in which a person seeks shelter in a safe place to escape reality. I'm going to read that again. This is from the Bible Helps Word Studies. The Greek word for strongholds is used figuratively of a false argument in which a person seeks shelter, i.e., a safe place to escape reality. That's what Paul was talking about when he's talking about the weapons of our warfare. So therefore, just as a physical army And and most likely, he had seen the Romans do this, could pull down, could destroy, could demolish, could raise, R-A-Z-E, their opponent's fortress. So can born-again ambassadors through Christ, through the power of God, knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. In other words, when you receive the Holy Ghost, it wasn't so that you get a certificate and get a hold of it and get a picture and say, I get the Holy Ghost. No, it was so that you could operate in the authority of Jesus Christ and show him to this world. Oh, help us, Jesus. See, Paul had witnessed the Romans destroying and overthrowing their enemies and demolishing their strongholds but under the anointing of God and we can look to mars hill when he goes there and he sees a, a, a an inscription to the unknown god and he begins to preach to them and teach to them who this unknown god was what was he doing he was knocking down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroying their false arguments with the truth oh wish I could preach it like I feel it strongholds are fortified listen to this I want you to catch this everybody pay attention watch this strongholds are fortified by believing the false narratives people tell themselves this then creates pathways in their brain and their perception overrides truth therefore truth becomes relative And absolutes are dissolved. That's what Paul was talking about. The battlefield of the mind. But through Christ, the Bible says we can tear down those strongholds. Why? I'm glad you asked. Because of 1 John 4.4. Greater. Greater. Is he that is in you, than he that is in the world? Oh, I know the enemy sounds strong. You see, he's like a roaring lion. Roar! David said, "Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, a shadow appears bigger than what it really is." I'm told, I've, I've never really researched this for myself or seen it, but I'm, I'm told through the research I have done that roaring lions, the louder they roar, indicates that they're toothless. They've got to roar real loud because they don't really have the strength of the teeth anymore, and so they roar to scare their prey, and hopefully their prey trips and breaks a bone, then they can go and, and, and you know finish them off. And so the devil goes about like a toothless lion and we're like forgetting that we have the holy ghost Mm. greater somebody say greater 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 is he that is in me and he that is in the world let me let me take you to first corinthians 1 18 through 31 and let me tell you how paul fought and won the battle of the mind you ready First Corinthians 1, 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God, for it is written, here it is, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. That's the strongholds. That's the imaginations. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, for it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. It's a stumbling block unto the Jews and foolishness unto the Greeks. But unto us, unto them which are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Why? Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh not many mighty, not many noble are called. What's he referring to? He's referring to the prophet Amos, who was a fig tree pruner. Be a prophet. Okay, yes sir, Lord. He didn't have any official training. Oh, I know there were some that were called. I know there were some that were born into the priesthood, and I get all that, but he didn't have any training. By the way, David was a prophet, and he weren't even of the uh, you know, Levites and all that. Asaph was a prophet, the Bible says. He was a musician in the choir, but he was also a prophet. Oh, come on now. Peter, John, the Pharisees, you're unlearned and ignorant. You haven't been to Pharisaical school. You're stupid. Yeah, well, we might not have got to graduated from your school, but we've graduated from the Holy Spirit school. Watch this. Even though they, and these educated men said, we can't explain it, but we can't deny it. You're so smart, you can't explain it. Well, that's what Paul's talking about here. Verse 27, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, base things of the world, things which are despised, hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Skip on down. I'm going to jump down to first, uh, chapter 2. Uh, brother, is it Sam? Yeah, you're running the sound back there, or the media. Look at this. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, here it is, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom. Paul, by the way, could have. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He had sat at the feet of Gamaliel. He was a learned man, but he's saying all of that learning meant nothing because I believed the wrong thing. When I, when God struck me down on the road to Damascus, I saw the light. Are you understanding what he's saying here? Okay. I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you. Here it is. Save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's what will destroy the arguments and and tear down the strongholds of, of the enemy. I was with you in weakness and in fear, much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Here it is that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So, as Paul did, so we, as born again ambassadors, through Christ, will knock down strongholds in human reasoning and destroy false arguments let's take a look at what those imaginations and thoughts are real quick verse 5 casting down imaginations every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ I want you to think of it like this if the stronghold is the actual uh, brick then what connects them are the imagination and thoughts that's the that's the cement in between the bricks that that you seals it together does that make sense So obviously, if you're tearing down the stronghold, if you're removing the brick, you're also removing the cement that held it together. Does that make sense? Okay. And again, we're going to read the the New Living here. Verse 5, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. How do we do that? Through prayer and Bible study. Why do you think we're promoting Bible study so much? Why do you think I want to train so many people to be Bible study teachers? Why do you think I encourage you to study the Bible on your own so much? It's because through that, you will destroy the strongholds, the bricks, the thoughts and imaginations, the cement, and and all of those false things will be destroyed in your life, and the truth will be built in your life. Weak impotent religion will never change lives. Charismatic entertainment will not transform hearts and neither of them will knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. And neither of them will destroy proud obstacles that keeps people from knowing God, amen. Neither of them will capture the rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. But as the Bible says in Revelation, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So when the preaching of the cross, when you're telling your testimony I was here, I was bound, I was in sin, I was in shame, but He saved me, He filled me, He healed me, He delivered me. When you begin to show the power of Christ in your own life, it's the testimony of Jesus which is the spirit of Prophecy! Hallelujah! I said it a couple weeks ago. You're no longer dismissed. You're deployed to work, to go and make disciples of all nations. Hallelujah! I asked my bride, who happens to be a licensed professional counselor, to give me a synopsis of this because she uses this to help people as a counselor. Obviously, she's an apostolic. Woman of God, and her counsel is Christ-centered and Bible-believing. I want you to listen to what she... I just asked her to give me a synopsis. Listen to what she wrote me after everything I've just preached. She says, so when we are young, we form core fears about ourselves and our world. A seed is sown in our brain with a negative emotion. From there, we form negative core beliefs. For example, here's a seed. A kid at six years old. They laugh at you, make fun of you. Core fear becomes humiliation. The strong emotion then begins to say, I'm stupid. Watch. If this is not dealt with properly, if this is not handled properly in that child, the seed of humiliation continues to grow, and over time, humiliation, and that seed grows. And it's called a dendrite in your brain. This is is true science. It's, It's a dendrite in your brain. It's like a tree growing. And when trees grow, fruit comes out of that. Now, not only am I stupid, I'll never be anything. And when preachers preach and say, you can have the Holy Ghost, yeah, I'm, I'm just dumb. I don't understand it. All these little branches start growing from that tree in your brain. It becomes a stronghold and thoughts and imaginations begin to just stem from it in every direction. So now armed with this core fear of humiliation and core belief that you're stupid, it's how you see this, the world in every situation. The boss doesn't give you a raise, it's because I'm stupid. You can't find the job you want, it's because I'm stupid. If you fail a test, it's because I'm stupid. And it keeps growing until my wife says in the, in the counseling session, she can begin to walk them back through and help them to see that they're really not stupid. And when that happens, it's a light bulb moment where all of a sudden, oh, okay, yeah. And all of a sudden, the roots of that dendrite, the tree, begins to crumble. And with it, the fruit begins to wither. And... But what is also happening is there's this new tree, this new dendrite growing. I'm not stupid. I'm made in the image of God. That, that was just the enemy trying. You see what I'm saying? Now, long before Dr. Caroline Leaf and all these other you know, psychologists and whatnot figured it out, and, and, and many of them are Christian-based God knew, because He says this in Romans, right? To be what? Transformed? How? Renewing. Tear down old dendrites, build new ones. Re—in other words, new pathways. My wife showed it this way at one of the uh, uh, marriage seminars we were at. If I want to walk to. The media room back there where donnie is right now i could go around by lucas that way i could go up this aisle i could go up this aisle i could go up that aisle but let's just imagine that that's my brain and all these aisles seem to be blocked there's other ways i can do it too i can walk out that door down the hall and in that door or the back door to the media room and still get there in other words i can create a new pathway Oh, come on, somebody. I'm not trying to be scientific with you. I'm not trying to be, you know, oogly-googly, you know, psychobabble junk with you. I'm being biblical with you and showing you how the therapeutic world has said, hmm, this works. Well, of course it works because it's the Word of God. Hallelujah. So how do we do this? We reveal the message that Christ is crucified. And has transformed us from sinners to saints, from a mess to a miracle, from disillusioned to delivered. Paul could write these words to the church of Corinth because he was gentle and meek in verse 1. Terms that we don't normally apply to warfare. I mean, if I'm thinking of soldiers, I'm not looking for gentle and meek. But this is not physical battles, is it? Our weapons are not carnal, verse 3. They're not of the flesh. And so, but watch this. Paul had taken his own, thought, his own thoughts captive. He wasn't taking the antagonist's reports from Corinth personally. Right. They must not think I'm a good apostle. They must not like me anymore. My preaching must not. He wasn't doing that. He had taken his own thoughts captive and realized what they're saying is not about me, but whom I represent. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So watch, here's the point. I've preached all of that to get to this. i got five minutes left. We will live victoriously in Christ daily when our obedience is fulfilled. Watch verse six. This is my original text, Brother Sam. And after, this is the new living. I I I don't think I gave this to you. And after you have become fully obedient... We will punish everyone who remains disobedient. Put it up there in the, in the King James. Go ahead. There it is. And having in a readiness to, watch this, revenge all disobedience. When? It's an if-then condition. If you'll do your part. See, the reason we're not just fighting the wrong battle, we're ill equipped to fight the right one if our obedience isn't fulfilled. Because if we're still thinking that I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I used to sin, I did X, Y, and Z, guess what's gonna happen? When we take on the devil, he's gonna be like, Yeah, right, okay, you don't even believe in yourself. But if our obedience is fulfilled and we realize that we operate in the authority of Jesus Christ, then we will revenge all disobedience. You see, we have to preach the message of Christ to ourselves. He became us. He became our sin that we might become His righteousness. I couldn't save myself. I couldn't atone for my sins. I couldn't. My righteousness is just filthy rags. But because he became my sin, because he took my place, I can become like him. I can stand in the world and bring heaven to earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with every one of His stripes, we are healed, the Bible says, Isaiah 53. He was crucified and pierced, buried in a borrowed tomb. But on the third day, He arose, conquering death and hell and the grave. And after 40 days, He ascended. And after another week, the Holy Spirit was poured out. So preach the birth and the life and the death and the burial and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ to your thoughts. Bring every one of them captive and say, wait a minute, I'm a born again believer. I am a born again believer in Jesus. Make your thoughts submit themselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You know what I've found? Where Jesus is, Satan isn't. So begin to preach to yourself. Begin to tell your thoughts, wait a minute, thought. I'm not giving into that. I'm not gonna let that didn't dry grow. Instead, I'm going to the word. Somebody say it with me, I am who I am says I am. And who does the I am say you are? He says you're a royal priest. He says you're an ambassador. He says you're a minister of reconciliation. The I am says I am his and nothing can take me out of his hand. So when your obedience is fulfilled, then you can teach others. Watch, let me prove it. David understood this in Psalm 51. One more scripture. Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart. Verse 10, renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. By the way, the heart and mind in the Bible are interconnected, so he's, he could easily be saying, create a new mind in me. Same thing. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of thy salvation. Uphold me with thy free spirit. Verse 13, then, then will I teach. When my obedience is fulfilled, then I'll be able to teach others. And watch what will happen. And sinners shall be converted unto thee. Watch. Here's what God sent me to preach. Sam, get ready to put it up. God wants to heal your hurt so you can bring hope and healing to others. God has given us a shift, not a season. He is healing us, making us whole, so that we can bring his hope and healing to our community. So as you stand with me, here's my question. Will you walk in his word? Will you fulfill your obedience and bring your thoughts captive to Christ? Would you pray with me as we close the first half right now? Jesus? Anoint our minds. Anoint our thoughts. We preach Christ and Him crucified to ourselves right now. And we declare in Jesus' name that we shall walk in the authority of Your Word and Your wisdom in this shift You have given us. For You're making us whole so that we can bring hope and healing to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Let's come back in about ten minutes for our second half. In Jesus' name.